welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. The big elevated thought for this message is this. Everything in your life that could be possible will only become possible with God. Everything in your life that could be possible. How do you think there's some things in your life that seemingly right now are maybe improbable or maybe even you've said that's impossible, but how many of you believe it could be possible? How many of you believe that it could be possible? You see, uh, one of the processes that I take people through when I'm coaching, and it's ongoing, it's not a one-time thing, it's we, we always have um, what I call triads that are working. There's always uh, the past, the present, and the future. There's never just the past, there's never just the present, and there's never just the future. So we've always got the past, we've got the present, we've got the future. All of us have hindsight that can give us insight, that can give us foresight. So we've all got some kind of hindsight. We've all got things that have happened, again, based on our past, that are, it's, it's, it's our hindsight. Hindsight is 2020. So you know that, right? But your hindsight is not just something that you go, oh, okay, now I've got a, a, a 2020 view of that. But your hindsight should be able to give you insight that gives you the capacity to have foresight. So now what's important is you've got past, present, and future always happening. You've got hindsight, insight, and foresight always happening. Um, You have what has been, you have what is, and then you have what is possible. So I want you to listen very carefully. Just like you've got a past, a present, and a future. Everybody here. Just like you have hindsight, insight. There's insight that you carry. It may not be working for you, but the only insight that you have is the lessons that you've learned from your hindsight. Hindsight is no good if it doesn't give you insight. And the only way you can have insight is you've got to learn your lessons from your past that gives you insight so that you can get foresight for your future. Does that make sense? So with that said, I want you to hear me. I'm I'm, I'm not just going to go into my coaching mode here, but I want you to understand something. That there is also what has been in your life that you can do nothing about except how you frame it for your future. So there's what has been, there's what is, and then there's what is possible. The devil... Listen very carefully when I tell you this. The devil does not want you to be a what is possible person. He wants you to be a what is person based on what has been so that you're the kind of person that says, well, it is what it is. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing that is what it is as long as God is involved. So we've got it. We've got to understand I'm the one that gives my past power. The only reason my past should have any power is not because I got hurt back there, but what I learned back there. Is everybody with me? Most people never get to what is possible 
because of what has been, which is their past. They never get to what is possible, which is their future, because of what is in their present. And so they keep going around in circles. The same thing keeps happening over and over in their life. They never seem to make any progress because I'm going to tell you something. There is no great progress without great process. I don't have time to go into this, but I'm going to just step our foot in the water for a minute. Right now, everybody here is in some kind of process. You're in a process. We've, we've entered now into 2021. So as we enter into 2021, we, we are now in the process of, of deciding. I, I, you know, if you turn on the television, if you listen to what people say from Beyonce to whoever I could mention, they're giving 2020 a middle finger. It's the worst year. It's the blah, 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 blah. And that's how most people live their life. And they think somehow by giving a middle finger to it that you're going to make it better. No, you're not. You're not going to make it better. The way you make it better is you understand, hey, I have to own my past. I can't determine everything that's happened in the past, but I've got to own how that's going to affect me. It doesn't matter what your daddy did or didn't do. It doesn't matter what your ex did or didn't do. Didn't matter what they did, your ancestors, whoever. The bottom line is, what are my lessons? By the way, pause. This is what makes America the greatest country in the world. Why? Because we learn our lessons from the past. It's the truth. And people that don't learn their lessons from the past are doomed to repeat their past. And they keep focusing on what happened in the past. Why don't you make your past work for you and get past your past and decide, you know what? I'm going to take my past and I'm going to use that for my good in my present so that I don't just focus on what has been and what is, but I'm going to be a person that focuses for the rest of my life on what is possible based on how I'm processing my past and my present. Okay. So here's the big thought for the message. Everything in your life that could be possible, everything that could be possible, I don't know what's possible for you, but everything that you decide that could be possible that right now is impossible or improbable. By the way, we, don't even, we would not even use a word like possible. Well, that's possible if things weren't improbable. So just think about that for a minute. We wouldn't even have to talk about possibility. If, if, if things were not improbable. And so the reason most people live on the negative side of life is because again, what has been and what is makes it improbable that what is possible can happen for them. Are y'all with me? I'm philosophizing right in front of you. But I want you to think about your own life. Anything that you decide that can be possible or could be possible will only become possible with God. With God. So our core scripture for this year is, is the scripture from Luke 137 
And we'll talk about other scriptures too. But from Luke 137, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, bless you, you're so highly favored. You're awesome. I mean, God's chosen you. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be amazing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I'm, I'm not even married yet. No, no, I know, I know. God's going to fix all that. But hey, you're, 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 you're blessed and highly favored and the Holy Spirit's going to get you pregnant. And uh, this is going to be an amazing story. Uh, well, it doesn't, it's not really sounding amazing to me. Well, how is this going to happen? I, I don't even know. It's improbable. When you're asking how it's going to happen, it's because there's a built-in default called improbability. Well, how, how's that going to happen? Like, how's, how's that going to happen? Is there anybody here that's not a millionaire? I know probably all of you are. But is there anybody here that's not a millionaire that would like to be a millionaire? Let me just see your hands. Okay. So have you ever just in terms of money, just in terms of money, well, I, I, like I would like that, but it's probably improbable for me. So let's just get real practical about it. So it's like, well, here's why it's improbable. I've got this job. I, I don't see any way that could ever happen. And, and some of you, many of you heard our story, especially been around it for 21 years. But when Sheila and I, when I sit down with Sheila and, um, and I said, listen, we're never going to live on more than 70% of our income. The goal was not to become a millionaire. The goal was to be wise with our finances. So 23 years of age, when I sit down with her and I was making a full $16,800 a year. And I said, I just want you to know our financial philosophy is going to be, but I want you to agree with me that we'll never live on more than 70% of our income. We'll give the first 10% to God because it's his. We're really not giving it. We're going to return it to him. So we're going to put God first. And then I want to seek to always try to give up to and even above 10% beyond that to God. And then I want to put 10% back that we'll never touch. And that'll be for our future. And, and how do you feel about that? Because she was so wonderful. She goes, oh, I think that's wonderful. That's great, you know. And uh, she had no idea what that was going to mean. But we started this process. I had no idea when I was 23 that 17 years later, I would be a millionaire living like that. It had nothing to do with the amount of money that I made. It had to do with the mentality and margins that I begin to set. So as I begin, now listen, I want to talk to all the entrepreneurs here or people who want to be an entrepreneur. By the way, if you think you want to be an entrepreneur so you can have more freedom, bye-bye. You'll never make it because you don't sleep like people that have normal jobs sleep. You, you have a different kind of weight, all right? So anyway... But, but as I begin to add multiple streams of income, guess what? Our lifestyle didn't, I, I never changed the margin. So no matter how much I made, so as I began multiple streams of income, 10% out of that stream went there. 10% out of that stream went there. And all of a sudden, it was amazing. So I never looked at it as, as a stream of income as one income doing multiple things. Everything that I did that was multiple stream, I designated that that's out of that stream, 10% is going to go to God. Out of that stream, 10% is going to be given over and above. Out of that 10% is going to... So I never set out to be a millionaire, honestly. It wasn't like, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40 and I got to make X amount of money and I've got this 
career path. No, this mentality that I'm giving you. Now, here's the good news. I'm going to pause too, just to say, Pastor Sheila, uh, today, for the first time, we're introducing it. Let's just jump down here and talk about it. This is a good time to talk about it. So when our kids were growing up, when our kids were growing up, I told Sheila, I said, listen, I want to do the same thing with our kids that we're doing with our finances. And I said, so let's figure this out. So she developed a chore chart for our children. And we, she had little jars and the kids were, would put 10%, give their first fruit to God. Then they would put 10% in savings. Again, following that 70-30 principle. Well, when we traveled, you can cut off the front fields and it'll keep the feedback from coming. Just cut the front fields down. Um, so as we started traveling, we put a system together and we sold that all over the country to help parents teach their children about money. Because what we discovered, with all due respect, our parents knew nothing about money. How many of y'all's parents knew nothing about money? Let me just see your hands. Oh, they, they, they knew how to have a job and they knew how to have a budget based on what their income and their outgo was, but they didn't know about money. They didn't know about money. They didn't know, they didn't know how to margin their money and live by margins. So I said, I want us to teach this. So we did that and we traveled for many years. Then we started our church 21 years ago. I said, I want you to develop that. Yes, and it's taken me 21 years to put it together. <laughs> and so in the year, where everybody was like saying, slow down, stop, can't do anything. You were not only writing your Live Your Legacy book, but you came back and wrote the Bank of Me book with a chore chart, with a banking system for children that we're offering for the first time today. And let me just tell you something. This is one of the best investments you can make. Some of you need this for yourself, forget your kids. <laughs> Get your own little bank here and let's figure it out. This is how we're going to live our life. Because well, I'm going to tell you book. something. Let me just a second. Okay. <laughs> I want y'all to really hear me. This system that we're offering you today, the mentality is how I became a millionaire. By the way, while I was making $80,000 a year, I was paying myself $80,000 a year while I became a millionaire. So what most people do, Sheila, their income goes up, they get multiple streams going, their house gets bigger, they start buying more stuff they, because they have no margin in their life. And so I just want you to know, if you're interested, because many of you raised your hand, yeah, I'd like to be a meter. This is how you have to start thinking. It is a system that is so practical and so simple. And I'm so proud of you. Today's the first day. Yes. Talk about well, it. I just bit. wanted to say that it is 21 years in the making. I had written something very simple initially when we traveled on the road full time before we started the church. And really, this is kind of how my Live Your Legacy book came out of this because I started to sit down and write this book. And before long, I was saying so many other things beyond this book that this really was kind of like a chapter in the book. 
But so I took it out. I didn't talk about it in my Live Your Legacy book. But what I knew is this was so important. It's very simple. It's not like when you go and you buy these books in the store, it talks about all these, your finances and where to invest and all those kind of things. It's something that is very practical. It is your way that you have taught us as a family and as the leader of our family. I took it and made it simple for our children, applied it into our kids' lives. But I'm going to tell you, moms and dads and grandparents, there's a chapter in here for moms and dads, and it's really going to help you. I'm just going to tell you that there's some of you that have carried debt. You're in uh, credit card debt right now because you didn't apply maybe some of the systems that even are very practical in this book. My kids, from the time that they graduated and had their jobs, they have never, not one of them, have carried any kind of debt because we started when they were young. So I just think about that in my own life, that if I started learning this when I was young, it took me uh, into uh, just really teaching my children because when I was in college was the first time I ever had to even thinking about budgeting my money. It's like, oh my goodness, I only had a certain amount of money. And so I had to take that $500 that I made in that summer and budget it towards my semester. And I was telling her that it's not about budgets. It's about she'll, margins. She'll listen to me. It's not about budgets. Most people think we got to have our budget. No, no, you don't. You got to have your margins and then you make your budget work within the margins that you decide. That's the magic. Most people focus on budgets. They don't have a mentality of margins. God is a margin God. That's why he wants your first tenth. He doesn't say how much money it is. He said, I want your first tenth because he wants you to think margins. So it's very, very important. So Sheila. And so even so, uh, so that's all in this book. But yeah. with the bank, the reason why it's so unique is it's not your traditional bank that your kids go in and put all their money in one bank. You don't want that. That's not how we live. Most of us, we can live our lives that way. We put all of our money in the bank and we really don't think about our margins. But what I do is tell you about uh, the, the, the uh, giving. Giving is 10%. Teaching your children to give their first 10%. The next percent is say is spending. That's seventy percent. Seventy percent goes into that bank. So the what next- would happen? What the reason this is a big deal is that we would take our kids to the store, and they'd say, "Hey, I want that." Any parents ever had any, uh, your kids say, "Hey, hey, I want that," and so I said, "Can I get that?" And my question back to them was, "Can you?" Well, what do you mean? Oh, you? It's your money. Oh, I don't want to spend my money on that. Neither do I. That's it's settled. That's awesome. <laughs> And I'm telling you, was that the way it was? They go, oh, can I have this, Daddy? And I go, can you? How much money you got? Well, I got this. I go, then you can buy it. Oh, I don't want to do that. I go, neither do I. Let's go. That's awesome. So it's a truth. One other thing I would say. It solved the problem. Yes, it starts. This starts from a very young age. When your child is two years old, there is concepts and principles in this book. It starts with a pom-pom jar. And uh, so it's a, no, it's a great way to start. And then you move into your allowance and your banking system. But anyway, I'm really excited about it because I've applied, Pastor Keith and I both have applied these principles in our children's life. And so I just wanted to give something to you that was simple and then give you a chore chart that helps you with your kids and them doing their daily chores that makes it very simple. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not raising kids. I'm raising millionaires that are going to fund the kingdom of God. That's what I'm doing. I'm not raising children. I'm raising children that have a kingdom mentality. We're going to make a lot of money 
and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give into the kingdom, and that's the way we're going to do it. So Sheila, just one last thing. So I loved one of, my, one of the people that's in our charts, I have the privilege to coach, is Allegra. She's in the financial planning business. She's pregnant. Today, she bought her chore chart and her bank for her child. I thought that's a person that gets it. It's like, I'm, I'm getting this mentality. I'm going to have my kid. My kid is going to understand money coming out of the womb. I just love that. So anyway, you're going to be back in the back, right? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Whoa. Here we go. There we go. Okay. All right. So sometimes in a suit, that's a little bit different. So Sheila, you'll be in the lobby. So thank y'all for that. I wanted to take a pause on that because I want you to understand something. Your finances are one of the biggest deals about your life. And what is possible for you can only become possible with God. And we want to teach you that here at our church, okay? So I want to talk to you about a story that is a little known story in the Bible. It comes from Judges, the third chapter. And uh, I'm going to just read the story to you. Does that be all right? And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Let me read it again. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Wow. You mean God could actually strengthen or empower ungodly leaders because his children have done evil in his sight? Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Mamalek and went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Can I just tell you, no matter where you are in your life, if you'll cry out to the Lord, I'm going to tell you, he doesn't just hear you, but he responds to it. And so for 18 years, they had not sought the Lord. For 18 years, God gave them over to the Moabites, which were their enemies, but they cried out to God and he raised up a deliverer for them. Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite. Now watch this, a left-handed man. Why would the Bible say a left-handed man? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So what was happening was Ehud, on behalf of the children of Israel, who are now in service to the Moabites and the king of Moab, would bring not just taxes, but they would pay tribute because they were subservient to not God, but they were subservient to the ways of man. And that's what God allowed them to do. He allowed them to become subservient, to be overtaxed, to pay undue tribute because the people were not serving God. Now Ehud Ehud made himself a dagger 
It was a double edged and a cubit length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Well, this is some detail, isn't it? Like God's saying, this is a left-handed man. And by the way, he doesn't put his dagger on his left side because you put your dagger or your sword, a smaller sword to fight with on your left thigh so that your right hand could reach it very quickly and you could go into battle. Well, he's a left-handed man. He has his dagger on his right side. The Bible's very clear about that. So he brought tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. So we got a left-handed guy and a very fat man. I just, what kind of detail is this? We got a fat guy and we got a left-handed guy. All right. And when he had finished presenting tribute, this is Ehud, he sent away all the people who had carried the tribute but he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal. I'll come back to that in just a minute. And he said to the king, I have a secret message for you, O king. And the king said, well, just keep silent right now. And all who attended him, the king went out from him. So Ehud came to him now he was sitting upstairs in the cool, his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud, with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and he thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade. How great is this? And he did not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. Woo! <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then Ehud went out through the porch, shut the doors of the upper room behind him. They were locked. When he'd gone out, Eglon's servants came back. Eglon's servants came to look and to their surprise, the doors in the upper room were locked. So they probably said he's attending his needs. That means he's in the bathroom, we'll leave him alone. So they waited till he was, till they were embarrassed and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key, they opened them and there, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor, but Ehud escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sarah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. Now listen to this. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab all stout men of valor. For 18 years, they'd been subject to him. These were stout men of valor, which would be impossible for slaves, for people who were serving some other entity because they were overpowered. It would be impossible for them to do this but with man, things are impossible, but y'all help me. But with God, come on, all things are possible. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And look at this. And the land had rest for 80 years. 
Wow. The possible life. Couple of things. The possible life is possible when we align our lives with God. Everybody say with God. Our natural with his supernatural. Our thoughts with his thoughts. Our ways with his ways. Now listen very carefully. Our weaknesses with his strength. God's ways are higher than yours. His thoughts are higher than yours. So ask him what he thinks and how he would like you to do it. So God's thoughts are higher than yours. God's ways are higher than yours. So we need to ask God, God, how, 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 how can I make a marriage that seems impossible possible? How, how can I make a business that's not working that seems impossible possible? God, how can I make this relationship that seems impossible possible? Like, how can I do it? God is waiting for you to ask him about what he thinks about you, what he thinks about your marriage, what he thinks about your business, what he thinks about your money, what he thinks about what is possible for you. So Ehud, he was left-handed. Notice the author not only gives his name, but he points out the fact that he's left-handed. The literal meaning of this in scripture is his right hand was hindered. We're not sure if it was a birth defect or not, but let's look at a little bit deeper. Did you know that our society does not necessarily cater to left-handed people? In fact, let me just ask all you left-handed people, how many of y'all are left-handed? Raise your left hand. Now, once you look around the room, I'm gonna just do a quick count. Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, Eight, about 20 people in this crowd are left-handed. Wow. Did you know that there's actually a school of thought that sees left-handedness as a type of birth defect? Probably the same school of thought that because of the color of somebody's skin, they were less than somebody else. You see, idiotness is idiotness. It knows no color. It's just idiotness. So, so this, this is an actual study. It showed that left-handed people experienced a small time period without oxygen at their birth, which causes the center of control to switch from the left side of the brain to the right side of the brain. And some of you've heard this, that left-handed people are the only ones in their right mind. Thank you, 20 people that are here. You're the only ones in your right mind. And what I've discovered is left-handed people are usually the smartest people in the room. I don't know what the deal is, but obviously some kind of trauma. <laughs> Did you know that 65 to 70% of all dyslexic people are left-handed? In French, the word awkward means left-handed. In Latin, it's sinister, wicked, or evil. And dexterity or being dexterous comes from the Latin, which means skill and ability or being right-handed. So I guess I'll, I, I'm gonna start something new here called right-hand privilege. <laughs> some of y'all, y'all just got some right-hand privilege, man. 
Because you know why? Listen, let me tell you why. You know why? Because the world does not cater. All the left-handed people know I'm telling the truth. The world doesn't care about you being left-handed. You have to have special golf clubs. You have to, I don't even know all, what all the stuff left-handed people have to deal with. But here's my point. God used Ehud's perceived weakness for his purpose. And I don't know what your weakness is. I just know you got them and I got them. I don't, I don't know what, what it is, but sometimes our weakness is how we, how we, how we see ourselves. Sometimes our weakness is how we allow other people to affect us. I love what Robert Schuller said. He said, you're not who you think you are. You're not who other people think you are. You're not who you think other people think you are. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. I don't care what kind of label somebody puts on me. The reality is I am who God says that I am. But watch this. Why would God put this, this story of Ehud in the Bible? Because he had a perceived weakness. And the perceived weakness is he was left-handed and it was exactly what God needed to use to add his super to his natural. Some of you in your minds, you may not have even consciously thought about it until right now, but some of you have. You think you've got a weakness. You think you don't measure up. You think you're not as good as somebody else. You think you, you don't have the same kind of advantage or privilege or whatever. You think this and yet your very weakness according to scripture or what somebody may consider a weakness or some kind of underprivilege is something that qualifies you for God's strength. Somebody put an amen on that. Second Corinthians 12 says it this way. And he said to me, my grace, my power is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So I've got some great news for everybody here. How many of you feel like you've got some kind of weakness, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever? How many of you feel like you've got some kind of weakness? Your weakness, whatever is, by the way, if you didn't raise your hand on this, you may be sitting alone in this room or you'll be on a long, lonely road in your life because everybody has weaknesses and everybody has struggles. Watch this. And why is that? Because everybody needs God. The possible life is possible when we align our life with God. When I align the deficiencies of my natural with the sufficiency of his supernatural. When I align my weakness with his strength. When I realize I can do all things, not because I'm somebody special, but I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. In other words, the, the, the possible life is possible when you align your life with God. Everybody say, with God. The second thing I wanted to tell you today is that the possible life is possible when we remember with God. When we remember with God, here's, here's kind of a sad thing to me, Rod, and that is that most people remember the wrong things. Most people allow the wrong things, what has been, to influence their what is, and therefore they never get to what is possible because when they remember, listen very carefully, and I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna remember things 
But why don't you decide today, I'm going to remember with God. Not just remember what they did, what they said, what happened, what was unfair. But the possible life is possible when you remember with God, with God. So I told you I would come back to this because here's Ehud. Now watch this. Here's Ehud and he's paid the tribute. He's the second of 12 judges of Israel. And oh, by the way, why were there 12 judges? Because Israel had rejected a king. They wanted a king. Then they rejected authority. They rejected priests. So God brought judges. Some of those judges would be people that you would, that you might know better than Ehud would be like Samson. So there was some semblance of authority for God's people always, but they just kept they kept returning to evil. They kept doing what was evil. So God empowered evil people, listen, to be over them. Can that really happen? How could, how could that happen? Because when God's people don't act like God's people and they don't do what God says, then the impossible stays impossible. But with God, come on, all things are possible. Somebody said, how could God allow this? Why would this happen? Let me tell you why things that, that, that are evil happen in our world. The reason it happens in our world is because there is a mandate on God's people to raise a level and a standard of righteousness in the world that we're in and not just talk about righteousness, but actually live for God. That's why. So, so the possible life is possible when we remember with God. So Psalm 77, and I said, this is my anguish. There's some of you that are sitting right here and you're, you're, you, you have anguish. You, you say, what's anguish? It's distress, it's pain from sorrow, it's remorse, it's despair. So this is what the Bible says, this is my anguish. What is your anguish today? I've had some anguish the last few days personally for a variety of reasons. But what is your anguish? He doesn't say what his anguish is, but here's what he says, but, remember everything before but doesn't matter. I will remember the years of the Lord's right hand, the most high God. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds and your way, O God, in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. Somebody put an amen on that. You have declared your strength among your peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people. So why? was Ehud experiencing anguish. The Bible says, and when he had finished presenting the tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab, he sent all the people away who had carried the tribute, but he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal. What happened at Gilgal that would make Ehud turn around and go back? Listen very carefully now. And I told you I was gonna come back to Gilgal. So, so he's God's raised Ehud up, he's a deliverer. He takes the tribute to Eglon, he does his duty. The taxes are paid, they're paid with their owed. And all of a sudden he's, he's getting out of town and he comes to Gilgal and he sees these memorials. 
What? These stones, the Bible says. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. What is it that he saw? Joshua, the fourth chapter. Listen to this. Now I'm about to prophesy. When the Lord showed me this, I said, God, I want a word on January 10th, 2021 for your people. That's what I asked God. And God led me to this. So listen very carefully. On the 10th day of the first month. Are you ready for a word from God? On the 10th day of the first month. Come on, is anybody ready for a word of God? On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal, listen, 12 stones they had taken out of Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground right here. For the Lord your God dried up Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to Jordan what he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up. In other words, he made the impossible possible right here. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear and honor God. Now listen very carefully. Ehud has done his duty. He's getting out of Dodge. He sees the memorial hundreds of years before that was set up. And he remembers with God. Here's what happened here. This is where the children of Israel crossed over. God parted the waters. He did the impossible. And all of a sudden, something rose up in Ehud. And he said, if God did that here, he's going to do it there. He turned around. He walked back into where Eglon was, King Eglon. And he said, I have a message from God for you. He says, what's the message? He reached with his weakness. He reached with his left hand onto his right thigh pulled out a sword and drove it into the flesh of the king of Moab, but he didn't just do that. He then went back to people who had been in bondage for 18 years and says, the hand of the Lord has delivered the Moabites to us. Let's go get them. And these group of pitchfork, shovel, manure people, who were slaves and nobody, certainly not warriors, because God, with God, Ehud remembered, with God, there's a possible life that's possible. If God did it here, he'll do it there. And they defeated 10,000 Moabites, and watch this, and lived free for the next 80 years. Come on, give God a hand. What is it that God's saying? I close with this. The possible life is possible when we put to death the impossible with God. You may have noticed the possible life is possible when we align our life with God. The possible life is possible when we remember with God. The possible life is possible 
when we put to death the impossible with God. Why is this casket down here? Scott, raise it open. Let me tell you why it's here. I felt like the Spirit of the Lord told me. I called Jeremy. I said, Jeremy, get me a casket. He said, yes, sir. I said, I don't care what you have to do. Tell him we're having a funeral at our church and I need a casket. And I'll give it back to him. Whoa. Okay. Because here's why. In just a minute, if you haven't done it yet, I want you to do it now. I want you to write down the one thing for you that looks impossible right now. I don't, I, it doesn't matter what it is. Because all of us have something right now that looks impossible. And I want you to write it down. And ushers, help me out just a second. If you need a piece of paper or a pen, raise your hand. They'll get it to you just real quick. Because this is important. It's in just a little game. This is a real deal. On the 10th day of the first month, God wanted me to remind you that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God knew in 2021 that there would be a group of people in Frisco, Texas, that some of us feel anguish today. Some of us are hurting today. Some of us feel hopeless today. Some of us feel like there is no way, there is no way whatever can happen. And I'm telling you, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to bury those impossibilities and I want to bring them to the casket and we're gonna bury them. We're gonna bury the impossibilities and I announce to you and I declare to you under the authority of the word of the living God that what has been impossible will become possible in 2021. I'm speaking it, I'm prophesying it over you because it's not because of me, it's not because of you, it's not because I'm strong, you're not, you're strong, I'm not. It's because with God, come on, with God, all things are possible. Something right now may look totally impossible, but I'm telling you something, as long as there's a remnant of people in the earth, as long as there's an Ehud, as long as there's a man, as long as there is a woman who will say, you know what, if God did it then, he can do it now. And guess what? I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm going to drive it right into the belly of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And God is going to win. He is going to overcome every impossibility. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.